Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Black Lives Matter shows what it's all about. In a recent statement concerning the situation in Cuba, BLM blamed the United States for miserable conditions in the country, all but defending the nation's communist government. Really? Yeah. BLM sympathizes with a brutal Marxist regime. No surprise there. Friends, it's time for Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. BLM. You'll remember that the second iteration of this Marxist community organizer slash protest slash riot group was tearing through the country in 2020, months of riots and destruction and no actual benefit to the people who live in this country. Uh, Maybe some of the organizers of BLM were able to buy fancy houses with donation money, but in terms of what it did to American cities, things certainly got worse when it comes to crime. And now BLM has weighed in once again to let us all know, yeah, they've got a real fondness for commies, no question about it. Black Lives Matter condemns the U.S. federal government's inhumane treatment of Cubans and urges it to immediately lift the economic embargo. This cruel and inhumane, again, inhumane, policy is at the heart of Cuba's current crisis. Since 1962, the United States has forced pain and suffering on the people of Cuba by cutting off food, medicine, and supplies, costing the tiny island nation an estimated $130 billion. Oh, okay. So while the Cuban communist government is bludgeoning people in the streets, opening fire on peaceful protesters, locking them up and preventing them from having any basic rights, Black Lives Matter wants you to focus on what the U.S. policy toward this government has been for decades now. Pretty sure that that's not what caused this all of a sudden to break out into riots, but it's so much more uh, preferable, so much easier for leftists to decide all of a sudden that the problem is America. That's what they like to The problem is America, you see? And then everything flows from that. In fact, here at home, some of us were still wondering, how could anyone have heard Joe Biden's speech in Philadelphia about voting suppression and the greatest threat to our democracy since the Civil War? I mean, that's what he was saying. And Jim Crow 2.0. Any rational, reasonable person must have seen that and thought, this is crazy. They can't really believe this. 
Ah, but there are people out there who really like the speech. Al Sharpton is one of them. First of all, and, and I told the president this after the speech, I think he made one of uh, a, a monumental speech for a president to stand there uh, in the shadows of where they signed the Declaration of Independence and attack Jim Crow 21st century was something that uh, I was not uh, expecting. Ah, I see. Yeah, Al Sharpton liked the speech. So in case you're wondering how bad the speech actually was from Biden, there you go. And then what is it that the Democrats are saying about Republicans in general these days? What does the American left think about Republicans? Because if Joe Biden's speech is something that is now as mainstream as it gets to the Democrat Party, they must really despise Republicans. Over at MSNBC, I think they made that much very clear. What is happening to the Republican Party? Our country, our democracy is currently under siege by one of our two major political parties, one controlled by a twice impeached one term president who's more Jim Jones than George Washington, a party that, thanks to Donald Trump's rabbit hole of conspiracy theories, white grievance and an unquenchable thirst for absolute power, embraces causes that were once viewed as fringe, things like abortion bounty hunting, now the law in Texas, banning books or really any idea that doesn't render every single white American in history going all the way back to 1619 and right up to today as innocent and benevolent. Yes, that's really what's going on. Every white American must be in schools taught as innocent and benevolent. I mean, there's a limit you would think to how stupid things could be on cable news, but the libs keep breaking through those limits. And in a sense, it's almost impressive. So here we have BLM focusing on the U.S. making Cuba worse, Al Sharpton saying that Joe Biden's reckless, divisive, and destructive speech was a great thing, standing up to the racism of our past, and then Joy Reid over at MSNBC letting you know that she just really hates Republicans and thinks they're awful and racist. I mean, that's every night at MSNBC, and it's all the hosts over there. What else could they do to top things? Oh, that's right. Let's bring in the United Nations to tell us how racist America is. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, responsible nations must not shrink from scrutiny for their human rights record. They should be transparent with the intent to grow and do better. That is why I'm announcing a formal invitation for UN Special Rapporteur, uh, Rapporteur, I, I think that's how you say that, on contemporary forms of racism to visit the US. That's right, gotta bring in Racism monitors from outside the U.S., from the U.N., no less, to tell us how racist this country is. You're noticing a pattern here, right? The left is obsessed with racism. And the elites, people like Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Joe Biden himself, they play along with this whole thing. Maybe because there are other aspects of the power structure right now that they'd rather you not pay attention to. Better to hyperventilate over racism exaggerated beyond any normal person's comprehension in contemporary America today, the allegations of racism, uh, and not have people focus on the fact that the economy is really not very good compared to where it should be. And inflation, it's a problem, folks. Here's Fed, uh, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell. The incoming inflation data have been higher than expected and hoped for. 
but they're actually still consistent with with what we've been talking about. The the, the very high inflation readings are coming from a, a small group of goods and services that are directly tied to the reopening of the economy. It's it's new new cars, used cars, rental cars, hotel rooms, air you know airplane tickets, things that we understand yes, how to connect. With, with all due respect, Chairman Powell, I mean it's 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 housing, it's appliances, it's food prices, it's electricity, it's gas. Tell me, to what extent is the Federal Reserve willing to see consumer prices increase before intervention is necessary? Well, so we are monitoring the situation very carefully. Oh, that should make you feel really good. The Fed's monitoring the situation carefully as inflation creeps up. Oh, it's only a few places where you have to worry about inflation, they want you to know. Food housing, gas, you know, just those minor things, heating costs, cooling costs, you know, those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, This is because we're spending money like we're going to not have it tomorrow. And if we don't stop, we're not going to have a currency tomorrow if you get my drift. This is reckless stuff. But better to give the country lectures as far as the Democrats are concerned on racism instead of having the American people of all backgrounds, all races, sit up and say, hold on a second. Biden administration is really incompetent and inflation is going to get really bad. All right, we come back. Former chief of staff for the acting secretary of defense, Cash Patel, is going to join us to offer his take on a new report which claims that high level individuals at the Defense Department feared President Trump would attempt a coup in the wake of the 2020 election. But first, I want to tell you about our latest sponsor, My Digital Money. Everybody wants to invest in cryptocurrencies, but it's not that easy to get started. Well, that's why Colin Plume, the CEO of Noble Gold, decided to create My Digital Money. It is an easy-to-use, self-trading crypto IRA platform with concierge-level customer service. It's one of the few U.S.-based cryptocurrency companies that will answer your phone calls and help you get started. And because your comfort and security is their top priority, they offer you an unparalleled military-grade security for your coins, Trigger orders to help you secure opportunities for gains or limit losses without having to watch your account 24-7. A play money account so you can test the market without risking your money. And with the recent pullback of most of the major cryptocurrencies, this might be the best time to get into this exciting technology-based investment. And when it comes to your money, you deserve a team of dedicated professionals that have your back, speak to you honestly, and treat you like a human, not just a number. Check them out at mydigitalmoney.com. That's MyDigitalMoney.com. We'll be right back. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. 
Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. A new book is making bold claims about the final days of Donald Trump's presidency. According to a report from CNN, top members of the United States military were preparing for a scenario in which President Trump attempted to launch a coup yeah. to install himself as president. CNN writes, quote, the top U.S. military officer, General, uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs, General Mark Milley, was so shaken that then-President Donald Trump and his allies might attempt a coup or take other dangerous or illegal measures after the November election that Milley and other top officials informally planned for different ways to stop Trump, according to excerpts of an upcoming book obtained by CNN. The book describes how Milley and the other Joint Chiefs discussed a plan to resign one by one rather than carry out orders from Trump that they consider to be illegal, dangerous, or ill-advised. So just how much truth is there to the report? Let me bring in somebody who was at the Defense Department in the closing days of the Trump administration, former Chief of Staff to the Acting Secretary of Defense, Cash Patel. Cash, you know all about this, man. Thanks for being with us. <laughs> Thanks, Buck. Appreciate you having me back. So... What happened here? I mean, just tell us, because you were around for it. You were at that level at the DOD. Millie saying that they won't effing succeed was the quote that they pulled from the book, meaning that the Trump coup that he was worried about, an actual order from the then commander-in-chief, President Trump, to the military to effectively seize power and prevent a transition. What the heck is going on? Uh, if... Here's the one theme I hope your uh, viewers take away from this. This is the total politicization of the Department of Defense and the national security apparatus that protects the United States government, and it's to the detriment of the U.S. people. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff has one statutory function, to advise the president and the secretary of defense on matters of military. That is it. He is not in the chain of command by law. The National Command Authority goes from the president to the secretary of defense. So for the highest ranking uniform military officer to go out and say through his uh, minions in the media that he is planning to protect America against a possible coup without any evidence to support at the time that there was a coup going on because there wasn't, I was there. I was in the room with the secretary of defense and the chairman on January 6th when Baghdadi was killed, when we did the Soleimani strike. Not once did he talk about President Trump's misdirections or failures as a president. There's also uh, a part of the book, excerpts from the book that are now being published and talked about by CNN and others where they say that he warned, General Milley warned that firing the then CIA director and the then, I believe it was the then Secretary of Defense, would have been some kind of a red line. What can you tell us about that? So once again, it seems that uh, Chairman Milley is doing and saying whatever he can to save his job at the expense of the American public. At no point in time is it Chairman Milley's job to advise the president on who his cabinet officer should and should not be. Chairman Milley should go back and read the statute that appointed him chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and it's to provide advisory opinions to the president and the secretary of defense on matters of national security. Now, if you recall, let me tell you about the Chairman Milley I know. When I was briefing President Trump in the Oval Office with the PDB, 
or briefing him on other sensitive matters, and Chairman Milley was in the room, Chairman Milley agreed with every major decision President Trump made on national security. By the way, this was also the same chairman that would put photos on the Resolute desk and ask President Trump to sign them for his family and leave the Oval Office with bags of President Trump paraphernalia and swag and merchandise for his family time and time again. And then fast forward to now, and you have a reversal in the position that Chairman Milley has taken to show his continued politicization because now he's running up to Capitol Hill to talk about white rage and how that's affecting our DOD more than Iran and Russia and China. So this man will literally say and do anything to keep his job. He is the most political operative in Washington, D.C., and he's supposed to be the one who's wearing our highest uniform. Did, did you feel this way? Did you see this kind of stuff from Milley before he came out as the woke general, I'm sure you've seen some of those memes recently, uh, and the general who now is claiming that he was ready to have a counter coup movement against then President Trump. I mean, is this surprising to you? Look, I'm amazed that, uh, no, it's not. I'm amazed that uh, Milley's ego fits through the five sides of the Pentagon at this point. He can and says anything he wants to keep his job. And this is hurting the joint staff who plays a critical role in advising our national security apparatus. Instead, he's out there parroting the joint staff and himself as the lone savior of the American Republic. This man is not supposed to be in the media. This role is not for public relations. It is a secure, high government role for the president and the secretary of defense. Yet, I bet you if you ask most Americans, they could tell you who Chairman Milley's name is and what he does, and they probably couldn't even tell you the name of the secretary of defense. There was a piece earlier this week that was looking at, uh, and it was picked up all across the media, an assessment of whether the Navy is actually ready to fight. I mean, I'm sure you, you saw this. The Navy's ready to fight an actual war, should it come to that, um, because of all the focus on, on wokeness, but just also the, uh, bureau the bureaucracy within the military and the way that promotions are uh, something that people scheme for, almost like politicians, that effectively war fighting for, this was folks in the Navy, but more generally, is fading away. And these, as government institutions of politics and social engineering, the military, uh, is becoming more and more prominent. How much of a concern is that for you? And, and, and do you feel like the Biden administration is, is exacerbating that? Is it staying roughly the same? It's a big concern for me because you, you hit the nail on the head, uh, Buck. When you are focusing on wokeism in the military and the continued politicization of the Pentagon and the Defense Department, what you lose focus on is preparing our Navy for war, which is why we have a Navy to prepare and defend this nation, which is why we have an Army, an Air Force, a Space Force, and a Marine Corps. And when, you're, when your top military advisor is busy leaking information so that CNN and the Washington Post can write books and media articles and politicize the role of the Defense Department, you must wonder how much of his time is he actually spending advising the president on matters of consequence such as Iran's threat to America and what Russia and China are doing to our cyber infrastructure and how can the Defense Intelligence Agency assist to protect our borders. And all of these are going by the wayside uh, by this continued politicization. Cash, just before I let you go, what should we do about the situation of the uprising now of the Cuban people against the communist regime there? Biden administration's not doing much. Mayor Suarez of Miami says, maybe airstrikes. What do you think? 
I don't think we're going to go down and interfere um, in the Cuban uh, landscape, but obviously uh, we would all cheer anything, any shouts of freedom from from Cubans in, in Havana, and we should support that wholeheartedly. But I don't know that we need to be uh, engaging in any way, shape, or form on the island. Cash, as always, very valuable. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, Buck. Appreciate it. As Democrats and the media push the Jim Crow 2.0 narrative on election integrity laws, they ignore the real disenfranchisement that took place during the 2020 election. Senior contributor to the Federalist Margot Cleveland has more on that when we come back. But before we go, let's talk about your financial future. We're living in very uncertain times and being prepared for the unknown is more important than ever. I'm sure you've noticed the world we live in today is anything but predictable. The government is passing massive spending bills, the Federal Reserve is printing trillions of dollars in fiat currency, and many experts are predicting inflation could run rampant in the coming months. That could spell disaster for the dollars in your bank account. We could all benefit from something a little more reliable right about now. Well, what could be more reliable than real gold and silver? I'm talking about real gold and silver you can hold right in your hands. Call the Oxford Gold Group now and learn how easy it is to get real gold and silver sent securely directly to your home, or how you can have real gold and silver placed in your IRA or 401k. Just call the Oxford Gold Group at 833-600-GOLD and ask for your free guide on owning gold and silver. Again, call the Oxford Gold Group right now at 833-600-GOLD. The Oxford Gold Group is the only gold company I trust. Call them right now at 833-600-GOLD. One more time, that's 833-600-G-O-L-D. We'll be right back with the Federalist's Margot Cleveland. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Democrats continue to push their Jim Crow 2.0 narrative, claiming recent efforts to shore up election integrity are racist. But lost in their zeal to marginalize popular laws like voter ID is the fact that voter fraud is very real. Over at The Federalist, senior contributor Margot Cleveland writes that recently obtained evidence indicates more than 10,300 Georgia voters, a number that continues to grow, voted illegally in the 2020 general election. While Democrats and their partners in the press push the Jim Crow canard, they ignore the real disenfranchisement that took place in the mess of the 2020 election. 
So do Democrats really care at all about voter integrity? Doesn't really sound like it, does it? Margot Cleveland of The Federalist joins us now. Margot, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. So walk us through this one, because as you well know, anything having to do with the 2020 election, votes, recounts, fraud allegations, the, the Democrats have turned this into not just a third rail, it's a minefield. I mean, they just, they don't want anyone going anywhere near it. So tell us what we know right now. I'll get into what we think we may find, but what do we know at this point about Georgia that we can prove? Sure. So Georgia has a lot of issues. And as you know, the Democrats, all they do is say the big lie and then everyone backs off. But what we know in Georgia is looking at illegal votes. So I'm actually not focusing on fraudulent votes. I know there's been some double uh, counting and the audits coming out. I've been very narrowly focused on Georgia law that requires voters to vote in this in the county in which they are a resident. And if they move more than 30 days before the election, they have to register in their new county. So right after the general election, an expert in Georgia ran the voter registrations and compared it to the national change of address that people give to the United States Postal Service and found about 35,000 voters who had indicated they were moving. This has been out for some time, but everyone kind of downplayed it and said, well, you know what, they're students, they're military, you don't want to disenfranchise them. But what we have now is in May, the same expert, he went back and he looked and found that over 10,000 of those voters updated their voter registration to their new address, which is confirmation that this isn't a student, this isn't military, this is someone who actually made a permanent move. Now, there might be a few people on the fringes, but overall, these people made a permanent move and voted in their old county. Now, you might hear people say, oh, well, you know, they're Georgia residents, what does it matter? It matters because Georgia law makes clear those are illegal votes. And every time someone votes illegally, it disenfranchises a legal voter. You also have to keep in mind that there were over 100,000 voters in the same situation, but most of them followed the law. They didn't update their voter registration, they didn't vote. So what we're doing is we're saying, if people ignore the law, then we're gonna count their vote. But the people who follow the law and don't vote are going to be disenfranchised. So again, this can be kind of weedy and really tedious, but you have to actually look at individual allegations of either voter fraud or illegal voting to say, did this happen? And now we have evidence that about 10,000 votes were cast where it's substantial evidence that they were illegal votes. Now, is, is this contested by anybody or is this just, it hasn't, made its way into the courts yet? I mean, this is one of these moments where I say to you, okay, this seems really significant. It's why we have you on to talk about it, right? So what now and what, what remains to be found and what do we have to do to make this something that actually is, un, you know, effectively they can't ignore it anymore? Right, so a couple of things. During the election contest that President Trump had in Georgia, 
That was one category of votes that he challenged. But the state judge set the hearing for two days after the vote was certified. So at that point, it wouldn't have changed anything. They dismissed the lawsuit. So from that perspective, it obviously isn't going to change the outcome of the election. The Secretary of State's office in Georgia does have an investigation going on here. The question is, what are they doing? I actually had an interview with the office yesterday, and I have a piece coming out tomorrow that gives a little bit more detail on that. But they're, they are doing an investigation. They would not disclose what exactly that consists of. But if any of the voters actually did it with the intent of violating the law, committing voter fraud, there's always the potential for litigation, prosecution. Big picture, though, it's not going to change the election. The reason we should care is, as you noted, this is a big deal. This could have changed the election. And Republicans need to stop taking the framing that Democrats are giving us, that voter integrity laws are disenfranchising voters. What we need to do is say, no, the real voting disenfranchisement is when people ignore the law, vote illegally, or commit fraud. And this is what happened in Georgia, and we need to put a stop to it. So really two things that I hope are the takeaway here is, one, we need the truth, because this is one of the things that President Trump was talking about. He had a lot of other complaints, but on this grounds, we have strong evidence on it. And second, what can we do to stop this? And I can tell you what we can't do is let the Democrats gut a lot of the protections we have. They're insufficient as it is, but if they get HR 1 through Congress, it is going to prevent any legitimacy of future elections. Wow. Margo, <laughs> good work on this. Are you going to go look at Arizona next, by the way? Is it, what's the next stop on the Margo <laughs> Election Integrity Tour? You know, there is so much here, and I really need to get a handle on each issue before I move on. So maybe when I'm done with this, I can go to Arizona. I'm here in Michigan. Michigan has issues, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. I've done some on before, which uh, is another area that needs to take a look at. So I've written on Pennsylvania and some of the mess there, too. Actually, just, just out of curiosity, have you come up against censorship for even saying these factually and clearly uh, supported things about the Georgia? You know, are you getting banned on YouTube or anything like that? Well, I'm not on YouTube, so I'm not getting banned on there. But as far as uh, Twitter is my main social media outlet, I haven't noticed anything. Although, of course, they won't uh, give me a little blue check mark. So apparently my reporting isn't sufficient enough to be authenticated. But I'm also very careful on what I say. I focus on the facts that I can prove. As a lawyer, I want to know the facts. I want to know the law. And I've actually invited pushback because I'm so confident in what I did. Before I wrote this article, I spent probably two hours drilling the expert. And I wanted to see his data. He gave it to me after I found, uh, signed a non-disclosure agreement because I wanted to see it myself and say, this is legit. This is not someone throwing Kraken out there. This is something that is real. This isn't a big lie. This is provable. And that's what, what I've been focusing on. So I think that it, it gives me a lot of solid ground. Just, just real quick, uh, yes or no, sure. it, it, is, it, is it is possible in your mind that there were more than 13,000 illegally cast, not necessarily fraudulently cast, but illegally cast ballots, fair to say? In oh, Georgia. absolutely, absolutely. This is only one area 
There were lots of other areas where there were there was evidence of illegal voting. I haven't delved into those enough to know how many votes you would tally up there. But yes, in my okay. mind, absolutely. All right. Margot, thanks. Keep us apprised. All right. Appreciate it. Great. Thanks so much for having me. A primary challenger has emerged to challenge sitting Arkansas Senator John Bozeman. We come back. NFL defensive end turned Army infantry officer Jake Beckett joins us to discuss his decision to throw his hat in the political ring. I want to tell you about your most important asset and a threat against it, right? I mean, your home is where you've got a lot of your value, your money stored in one way or another. How much equity do you actually have in your home? $50,000? $100,000? Maybe more? Cybercrime experts are alerting homeowners that the more equity you have, the greater the chance foreign and domestic criminals will come after you. Home title theft is one of the fastest growing crimes out there. In fact, Home Title Lock, America's leader in home title protection, is alerting homeowners they could already be a victim and not know it. Here's how it goes down. First, cyber thieves search hundreds of public databases for high equity homes. Next, they pull your home's online title, forge your signature stating you sold your home, and take out loans using your equity. You're not covered by insurance, your bank, or common identity theft programs. Protect your most valuable asset. Register your address now to see if you're already a victim and receive a complete title history of your home, a $100 value free. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. It is a fact that there are many violent crimes that are committed every single year right here in the state of Arkansas by violent illegal immigrants. And on the economic front, any job that is performed by an illegal immigrant is by definition a job that is taken away from an American citizen. They suppress our wages, they take away our jobs in manufacturing and agriculture, and without a strong border, uh, we're never gonna get a hold of our problem of illegal immigration. So I will never apologize for being against illegal immigration because I understand the threat that illegal immigration poses uh, not just to American citizens and American jobs, but to American families. Former Arkansas Razorback, New England Patriots defensive lineman and 101st Airborne veteran Jake Beckett will challenge Arkansas Senator John Bozeman in next year's Republican primary. Bozeman was reelected in 2016 and won the endorsement of Donald Trump earlier this year. During his campaign announcement, Beckett detailed he is pro-life, pro-police, a God-fearing Christian and is sick and tired of the media constantly lying to us. Talk more about his Senate campaign run. Jake Beckett joins us now. Jake, thanks so much. Hey, thanks for having me on, Buck. Good to be with you. So going from playing pro football to enrolling in the U.S. Army, it's quite a move. Why'd you make it? Well, I felt called to do it. Uh, my last couple of years in New England, I, I started to feel a call to serve our country in uniform and that's exactly what I did when my playing career ended. I enlisted in the Army, commissioned as an infantry lieutenant, uh, volunteered and graduated from the U.S. Army Ranger School and deployed to Iraq with the 101st Airborne Division. And that was truly the honor of my life was to, to serve our country in uniform. Uh, and, and look, I'm, I'm an outsider. I mean, this Senate campaign, I don't come from a uh, political background. I'm not from the establishment. I'm an athlete. I'm a soldier. I'm a leader. And I think we need more young, bold, dynamic difference makers in Washington. So Bozeman's a fairly conservative opponent you're going to be facing off against. Where do you think he has come up short? I mean, how, how are some di what are the differences between you? And if you if you were elected, uh, how would you differentiate yourself from his record? 
Well, I respect Senator Bozeman's many years of service, but you know, look, he's he's been in Washington for over 20 years. Uh, he's working on his third decade in Washington. I think it's time for a change, and I, I just think his record is too liberal. You know, he's voted for budgets that fully funded Planned Parenthood, that raised our taxes, that have exploded our national debt. Um, you know, he's uh, made some very critical statements about President Trump's immigration policies, uh, and he's even supported. Uh, you know, somewhat radical policies like renaming our military bases. Look, I, I think that's out of touch with with Arkansas values. And look, I just think it's time for a change. You founded the Arkansas Fund, which has helped small businesses succeed during the COVID-19 pandemic. Tell us about that. How has the progress been since announcing? Well, one of the first things I did when I moved home to Arkansas after my term of service in the Army was over was I started this nonprofit small business relief fund. I was inspired by the Barstool Fund, founded by Dave Portnoy. You know, he's a New England guy, Patriots guy, and he helped a small business in Arkansas, as uh, close to my home here in Little Rock. And I just thought to myself, hey, if if Dave Portnoy and the Barstool Fund can help an Arkansas small business, why can't I help an Arkansas small business? And so that's what I did. We traveled all over the state. We raised a bunch of money, got it into the hands of uh, several dozen Arkansas small businesses, really mom and pop small businesses, that have been really impacted by COVID and were really struggling with the pandemic. Uh, and so I think it was a great, uh, it was a great project and it really uh, helped me to, to go around the state and understand some of the, the plight uh, that some of these small businessmen and women and their employees have gone through uh, due to the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic and the suppression of our economy. You're not far from the border there. If you were to become the Senator, what would be your approach to the U.S.-Mexico border, it's obviously under the Biden administration, the most open and the most lawless it's been in years, likely decades, perhaps ever. What do you think needs to be done and what kind of legislation would you want to pass in order to secure our southern border and and handle the immigration issue more broadly? Well, coming from a military background, I believe the southern border, uh, it's a It's a key part to securing this country and to protecting us. And that's what I want to do uh, in the U.S. Senate is help protect this country. Look, generations of career politicians in both parties have traded promises of border security in exchange for amnesty. Okay, that has been a complete failure. We're living with those consequences today. Look, in Washington, I will never stop fighting to secure our border. We have a legitimate crisis. We have tens of millions of illegal immigrants who have entered this country over the past 40 years. It's totally unacceptable. It's out of control and it has to change. And the current voices in Washington just haven't gotten it done. Right now, the Senate is considering, Senate Democrats are considering a $3.5 trillion plus another $600 billion of what they're calling infrastructure, but a massive spending package. What do you think it's going to take for the American people to, and, and let, me, let me step back for a second. What's it going to take for the representatives of the American people on the right to take the budget and the debt seriously? Well, I think we're seeing the consequences of those policies today. We're already seeing inflation begin to spike out of control uh, and nothing demoralizes a country like hyperinflation. I hope we don't see it here, but I think we're on the way to it. Well, these are all the consequences of these radical leftist policies that have been implemented by Joe Biden uh, since the beginning of his administration. Look, it's totally out of control and we have to get it uh, back reined in. Um, I think the American people understand that these infrastructure plans, so-called infrastructure pieces of legislation, uh, these are Trojan horses for liberal wish lists like the Green New Deal. Look, only a very small percentage of these pieces of legislation, of the funding within them, actually goes towards infrastructure. 
roads, bridges, uh, waterways. Look, I'm all for look fixing those things and improving them, but I'm not going to you know pull the classic establishment Republican move of uh, being hoodwinked by promises of you know a bipartisan infrastructure plan when really it's just a liberal wish list. Right now, the people of Cuba are struggling against a repressive communist regime trying to shut down their protests and their cries for, for liberty. Uh, the mayor of Miami, uh, Mayor Suarez, said that he thought that there should at least be a consideration of airstrikes, U.S. airstrikes in Cuba, to uh, punish the regime and to help the anti-regime elements on the ground. Somebody served the military in Iraq and has dealt with armed intervention on behalf of the United States government before at the, at the direction of the United States government. What do you think is the right move for Cuba? What should the U.S. response be? Put aside for a second that Biden and the Democrats are sympathetic to commies. What should we do? Well, you're exactly right. It's, it's pretty uh, disgraceful to see uh, the Democrats and the radical left seem to be sympathizing with the Marxist regime. You saw BLM essentially endorsing the Cuban government blaming the U.S. for Cuba's failures. But look, I think our experiences in the Middle East, in Iraq and Afghanistan have shown that, look, we don't want to be engaged in nation building. I think all options should be on the table in terms of a Cuban response, but our focus should be on protecting the citizens of Cuba who want to live free. I think there's bipartisan support for that, except for the radical left fringe. And look, I just think it's disgraceful that the, uh, the Democrats, look, they, they, uh, they support open borders, for people from Central America and Mexico who tend to be you know, left-leaning future Democrat voters. But look, they, they want to secure the border and make sure people come from Cuba who lean to the right don't get in. So I think their hypocrisy is shameful. Thanks so much for being with us. Good luck, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Buck. Don't Fauci my Florida. Governor Ron DeSantis is under fire for selling some saucy merchandise on his campaign website. That story more coming up in Quick Hits. But first, let me remind you about our newest sponsor, My Digital Money. Everyone wants to invest in cryptocurrencies, but it's not that easy to get started. Well, that's why Colin Plume, the CEO of Noble Gold, decided to create My Digital Money. It's an easy-to-use, self-trading crypto IRA platform with concierge-level customer service. It's one of the few U.S.-based cryptocurrency companies that will answer your phone call and help you get started. And because your comfort and security is their absolute top priority, they offer an unparalleled military-grade security for your coins, trigger orders to help you secure opportunities for gains or limit losses without having to watch your account 24-7, a play money account so you can test the market without risking your money, and with the recent pullback of most of the major cryptocurrencies, this might be the best time to get into this exciting technology-based investment. And when it comes to your money, you deserve a team of dedicated professionals that have your back, speak to you honestly, and treat you like a human, not just a number. Check them out at MyDigitalMoney.com. That's MyDigitalMoney.com. We'll be right back with Quick Hits. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis taking heat from the left over some t-shirts and beer koozies. And hip-hop artist Pitbull has a message for the world about Cuba. Those stories in Quick Hits. Let's dive into it. Governor DeSantis has done a fantastic job during the pandemic in Florida, right? That much is clear. And he's also got, uh, or at least his campaign is a bit of a sense of humor. Got a little bit of a, a little bit of saltiness to throw around. For the price of $10, I'm sorry, $12, supporters of DeSantis can help his re-election campaign by purchasing a beer koozie that says, Don't Fauci my Florida. Another koozie available on the website contains a much-talked-about quote from DeSantis, 
where he dismissed the need to wear a face mask, saying, how the hell am I going to be able to drink a beer with my mask on? Some great gear here for the DeSantis, uh, DeSantis team, DeSantis website. We're going to have to get some of these, I think, for the office here. Get them for the studio. Get folks all squared away with their DeSantis gear because we don't want any. Don't Fauci my Florida. Don't Fauci my anything. So there we go. It's important for everyone to know that. Fauci, by the way, still appearing on TV to tell everybody, mask up your kids. Make sure the little ones have a mask, two masks, the whole thing. It's, it's this guy never, he's never going to go away. He's never going to stop because this is who he is now. He's that annoying little gnome that sits on your shoulder and tells you to mask up. That's this guy's entire existence. All right, uh, Pitbull is a well-known recording artist. I can't say I've heard any of his songs in a long time, but uh, he had some thoughts. He's weighing in the political scene on what's going on in Cuba. Here's what he had to say. This is a message to the world. We need to stand up, step up, but if you don't understand what's going on, then you need to wake the f*** up. Not only is this a Cuba event, a Cuba thing, this is a world event. This isn't about politics. This is about saving lives. This is about unity, not division. And bottom line, this is about taking action. We need to figure out how to really help. We need to get creative. We need to figure out solutions while they're losing their lives over there literally for something that we wake up every day and appreciate, which is freedom. So to everybody out there, stand up, step up, and if you don't understand, get with the motherfucking program and wake up. I mean, he's right about the freedom part and how the Cuban people deserve their freedom and that anybody who can should assist or provide solidarity in whatever ways they can. I tell you, I'm, if, I were, if I were a betting man, I don't know if this is going to be the end of the regime. I'd probably say it's unlikely, but starts with something like this. It's certainly moving in the right direction, but my big concern right now is the crackdown and the degree of brutality that the Cuban regime is willing to engage in over all of this. And then this story. A New Jersey teacher resigns after assigning a student project in which she hailed the accomplishments of Hitler. I mean, I, this is crazy. A New Jersey teacher's resigned after assigning an 11-year-old pupil a project in which she hailed Nazi genocidal maniac Adolf, Adolf Hitler's accomplishments. My greatest accomplishment was uniting behind a great mass of German and Austrian people behind me, the bio of the dictator read, saying that anti-Semitism drove me to kill more than six million Jews. I was pretty great, wasn't I? I was very popular and many people followed me until I died. It continued. <sighs> Get your kids out of government schools as quickly as you can in as many places as you can. That would be my advice because yeah. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is up next. Shields high.